dust off here. Uh-huh. I am dusty. Yeah. I mean, it's... Let's see. Three. What? Three weeks. Since we last recorded, mm. I think. No, it's, it's more than that, I think. Because the last time we recorded would have been November 5th? No. Are you sure? I have no idea. You know that I don't... <laughs> Time and I are not on speaking terms. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I exist in it, but my conceptualization of it is gone. Um, you're like a you're like a dog in that respect. I'm like it's just a, like a dog, or yeah, maybe a cat. Just like uh huh, sure. I was asleep. What happened? <laughs> Or yeah. a goldfish, where it's just like, this is happening right now. I exist now. <laughs> the past, the future, mean nothing to me. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> You're lucky I recognize you. <laughs> That's fine. I, I get it. being what it is. <laughs> November, November 6th would have been the last time we recorded. So Okay, so that's a full-on month. Yeah. Oh well, you know, shit happens. <laughs> November wasn't so. great. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's you know, we're here now. That's all that matters. Indeed. And we get to talk about exciting shit. Like I, I we get to talk about exciting shit eventually. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm. I'm stoked for this story arc. Hell yeah. You know? No, I'm uh, saying... The only thing I'm saying is news this week is rough. Yeah. Yeah. So... We'll get... We'll get the... We'll get the shitty stuff out of the way. Yeah. And then we can talk about... The more fun news. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, shall we? Yes. All right. Hello and welcome to a fiery episode of The Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that promises if we were ever to destroy a solar system, it would be one of the shitty ones no one wants to go to. I'm Max. And I'm JR. Uh, how's it going? Oh, oh, it continues. We were just talking about time. I'm living in it, going in the one direction that we can perceive it. Right. So far. Yeah. Uh, if it stops, someone please let me know. Uh, because if the Earth... I always wonder what would happen if the Earth just, like, ground to a halt. You know? in or The, the, the rotation of the Earth just quit. Hmm. Like, that is a lot of momentum. Like, everything yeah. just falls down, right? <laughs> I mean, at the very least, we'd all get some ver some road rash. Like, <laughs> yeah. It would, like, thrown into shit. And, I don't know. The thing that worries me is I read once that, like, uh, scientists couldn't get their models to work. Uh, and they they realized that it's because they kept making time infinite. And uh, oh, God. it was <laughs> making things not function. So they changed time to finite and suddenly their models worked. And it's just like, oh, fuck. 
So it's just, I don't know how true that is. I, uh, I've, I've been afraid to go down that rabbit hole because like, first of all, <laughs> the idea of time just running out, like everything just stops is terrifying. Add to that. I'm the type of person I will probably be frozen for a turn for not even eternity. Cause eternity wouldn't exist anymore. Uh, in like the most embarrassing position. Like I would be in oh. the middle of like sniffing my hand after doing something gross. And that's like <laughs> some outside observer would happen across me. And they're just like, all right, that dude's fucking disgusting. And that would just be how the, how it is for the rest of whatever. Well, you know what? It kind of makes sense though. Right. Because the argument being that time, time and entropy, I think are supposed to be closely, uh, coupled. Uh Um, and if that's true, then there was no time before the big bang uh-huh. which means that it that time has to be finite because right. if if you have a beginning you don't have infinite right, right. so if you have a beginning of time <laughs> okay we're freaking each other out <laughs> yeah no no i'm 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 with you i'm 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 following what you're saying i'm just saying it's just like yep <laughs> yep 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 did i did you ever meet um a uh, guy lived with Chris. I think so. Yeah. So he had a thing where I he did not like the concept of space, right? It it just freaked him out that it was so much bigger uh-huh. than he was. And there's a Fair little enough. bit of ego there, and there's a little bit of terror terror of the unknown, I guess. But he just didn't like how big it was, and so to freak him out, I would be like, "There's a picture." That is almost entirely a black square with uh-huh. two dots of light in it. And I think it's from one of the Voyager or Cassini when it was headed out. That is the Earth and the Moon. And they look like the Moon is just a pixel. And the Earth yeah. is like four. And yeah. I go, hey, look at that. He's like, what's that? Us. Fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. would you do that? That squicks me out so bad. I'm like, yeah, I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. You are meaningless. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, uh, it's kind of like I knew a gay guy back in college who was legitimately terrified of vaginas. Like, not just he wasn't into them, mm-hmm. you know, but like. He was legitimately just like, ah, like, you know, <laughs> like if I saw a spider, <laughs> right. It would, it would just be like, nope. <laughs> and so we would, you know, we would occasionally like just bust out a picture of it. Like if he was being really annoying, it'd just be like, here you go. And he'd just be like, bye. And it's like, okay, cool. So what were you saying before he interrupted? <laughs> like, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, it's been a few weeks, it's been about a month since we recorded, Yeah. uh, and there's been a lot of news, but as is always the case, like, 
it's it's a whole lot of comics news tends to come down to what's going on in the movies Mm -hmm. uh which tends to make up the bulk of it between actual comics news and or actual movie news and speculation about movies uh so it's hard to wade through a lot of that bullshit um especially when 90 percent, well 85 percent of it is speculation and you're just like no no i don't care yeah um, you know i and you know it's getting to the point now where like i don't even like watching the spider-man trailers just because I don't. They the but this Spider-Man movie especially feels like it's become this speculation lightning rod. Yeah, and I don't know why, other than Sony and Disney being so fucking hush hush about everything, while simultaneously communicating poorly, and the movie looks. Like, it's trying to... The movie looks like it's trying to be for literally everyone, and that's either gonna be really good, or a fucking train wreck, and I can't decide. Based on, like, the edits and cuts of the trailers, I cannot decide whether it's good or bad. I, you know... (laughs) I'm going to give them credit here. Maybe more credit than they deserve. Almost certainly. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been interesting to look at the communication that there has been for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, it really does seem like it's a bit slapdick. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if that's intentional. Because it is really odd that Marvel, which has got this stuff pretty well down at this point. I mean, you know, we're to a point now where Marvel, Marvel had some shaky shit in the beginning. Um, but by and large, they're really adaptive and they're, they've gotten it down to where they've got, they're able to keep a lid on the things they need to keep a lid on, um, up until these things come out. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like Marvel and Sony are intentionally fueling a lot of this speculation in order to direct people away from what's actually happening. So, you know, don't get me wrong. It is entirely possible that Marvel has just, like, shit the bed on this. Um, it but, feels more like a Sony shit the bed on this thing. Or maybe. someone's shitting the bed in tension. I, honest to God, it, I have this weird inkling, and I, I'm wrong, right? Uh-huh. But... It ha- I some of this has the 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 tinge of either Sony or Disney fucking this up on purpose, 
just to spite the other one. And I could see that, but also you're both still, it's Spider-Man, you assholes. You're still going to make a billion dollars off this movie. Right. Easily. Right. Even with a pandemic that will not go away. Right. Like we we're you're going to make so much fucking money off this that all you had to do was competently release information about it didn't even have to be that much like information like the trailers have too much in them to me like i th- that's what i liked about uh far from home is that the trailers had just enough in them to make the me go okay weird and mysterio's there awesome but like it that was about it whereas yeah. this one feels like they have too much shit going on. Like, revealing all of the Sinister Six or Sinister Five so early was like, why? why'd you do that? That would have been rad. You didn't need to do any of that. Your entire... Well, that's why I think there's something way bigger that they're keeping in reserve. Well, I mean, the entire trailer could have been... That's true. That is very true. Um, but the entire trailer for me could have been only snippets you know you could have grabbed two minutes from the first act and made that the trailer and only released one and you're still going to get butts and seats because oh, yeah. that's still a comp the first act of this movie is still going to be a compelling story of how the hell does he deal with this like and yeah. even if it's a five act arc a five act arc which it could be because it looks like there's a lot of moving parts you could do act one where he's wrestling with what to do and then steal from act two where he decides decides what to do and sets out to do it like you can take from those two and then just make that a trailer we're still gonna show up it's fine you don't yeah yeah. (laughs) well and like and like i said that's why i think given how cannily marvel has handled everything regarding the mcu uh given how you know marvel marvel very rarely unless unless one of the talent uh just fucking blab about something like um tom holland or uh rufio rufio um ruffalo Ruffalo. Well, the most recent example I'm thinking of is, uh, I think, was it Evangeline Lilly who posted a photo to Instagram of the cover of the script for Quantumania and was tagging like all of her co-stars and tagged the guy who played Darren Cross in the first Ant-Man, suggesting that he's going to be in the third one. Oh, shit. Um, so, you know... Barring, barring stuff like that, Marvel's Marvel's done a pretty decent job of keeping a lid on things. Um, and, you know, very rarely have things come out that Marvel did not want uh, to come out. Because, I mean, we're talking about Disney here. Like, Disney can send leg breakers to the home of every person... <laughs> with behind the scenes shots of the of the movie so 
that's that's why I feel like um, I think that I think that Marvel it's entirely possible I like I say I could very well be wrong and probably am when I say that uh, I think that when it's all said and done not only are we going to get the Sinister Six we'll probably get Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield and then there will probably also be something nobody is fucking expecting yeah. um and that they've kept a very tight lid on um so I don't know you know Kevin Feige's already confirmed that Charlie Cox is play reprising his role as Daredevil uh you know we've got the hints of Vincent D'Onofrio in Hawkeye yeah uh stuff like that so you know we'll see but anyway yeah actual news actual news let's 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 move on let's get the shitty one out of the way uh george perez um has announced that uh so george perez retired a couple years ago um because He's blind in one eye now, and he just doesn't have the ability to work the way he did. Um, And he announced this past week that he has stage three pancreatic cancer um, and that his uh, his prognosis is bad. Uh, Six months ish to live. which has resulted in a huge outpouring of love and support on the internet, as it should, um, because the man, you know, if you're the, if you've if you've been listening for this long, you probably don't need me to enumerate the ways the things George Perez has done in his career. Um, so. Yeah, um, it really it really sucks. I uh, I was always I was blown away because when I went to Dragon Con back in 2013, George Prez had a table there, and unlike everyone else there, he wasn't selling anything. He wasn't selling merch. He did not, you know, like. I don't know that he was even selling sketches. He had nothing on the table <laughs> other than a sign on the front. Like there was literally, it was a, it was a blank table, no tablecloth on it. No, like just banner. one of those folding plastic, uh, right. Tables that you get for cons. At, at cons. Yeah. Yeah. With a piece of paper <laughs> folded in a that, triangle. No, no, it was one of those, you know, know, when you get there at the beginning of the con and like a lot of tables aren't set up yet and they just have a piece of paper taped to the front that just says like so-and-so and And you're like, okay, that's where they're going to be. I'll check back later. That's all that was there. (laughs) Like he just sat down. (laughs) He came, he sat down and he was just doodling in a sketchbook and you know, I, I don't know what George Perez's financial situation in past years has been like. 
I'm amazed that he wasn't there flogging shit because, I mean, unfortunately, that's how a lot of people make their money. Yeah. Um, but I just, I thought it was really cool that even if he didn't have to be there to make money, he was just there to, like, meet people and, like, you know. And so I went up, I got my picture taken with him. I was just like, holy shit, man, like, new Teen Titans and <laughs> fucking in. Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Gauntlet, man. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, well, you know, it's been a good run. And I'm just <laughs> like, fuck, man. Just, you know, and I like there's just been a whole lot of stuff like that mm-hmm. um, in the last week. Um, he definitely seems like based on I think it was. um Busek that was tweeting things like yeah. going to cons and stuff like that and meeting Chor- and meeting him and stuff like that where he was basically like you know I was the new guy here in this picture and he was still just the sweetest dude who yeah. was just like hey what's going on like exactly like the way that you were describing him just now in that like laid back just letting you know if you had a question or whatever he'd answer it and it wasn't that big a deal um or you know just like being available like that's that's insane that he's just like sitting there at a desk i imagine that there were probably 300 people at that con that walked by that table and were like oh he must not be here yet (laughs) like even though he was sitting right there yeah (laughs) like you're you're one of the few dudes that will, or you're one of the Dragon Con is huge. I know that, but like, yeah. you, still there are there is a non insignificant number of people that just thought that was a guy sitting at that table waiting for George Perez <laughs> instead of actually him. Um, that's that's super sweet. Yeah, I I came up and I'm uh, because I, you know, I wanted. If he had anything to sell, I wanted to buy it. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, are you, you're not selling anything? And he's like, nope. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, can, can I get a picture? <laughs> like, and he's like, yeah, of course. And you know, there were so many pictures that people have taken of him. Uh, there was one I saw where somebody had cosplayed as Supergirl. And so he took a picture where he's holding her like the cover of Crisis, where Superman's cradling the dead body. Of <laughs> he took that. He took that photo where he's just like ah, <laughs> like you know stuff like that. And yeah, he just seems like just the best guy, and he he is a master. He's a master of cramming so much stuff yeah into into a page um ron mars had tweeted about the first time he got to work with george perez where you know he's like this is george perez we're talking about so i did what i normally do not do and packed my script with panels and he's like eight ten twelve panels a page because i knew this is George fucking Perez. He can handle it. Yeah. And uh, he said that when they started getting panel or pages back, 
George Perez had added more panels <laughs> to what he'd already done. And he's just like, I couldn't even keep up with it. <laughs> I was trying to make his life hard, and he just didn't do. <laughs> yeah. So, it it's really terrible. I am... I am happy. I am happy that George Perez has gotten to see the outpouring of love while he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I do think, you know, we do reserve a lot of that for when people pass away, right? And so it's nice that people are taking the opportunity now before that happens to. Uh, to talk about how awesome he is. Um, the, I hope that his final days are as peaceful as they possibly can be. Um, you know, cancer is, cancer sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I hope, I hope they are comparatively painless for him. Um, as painless as they can be. Um, I, you know, it sucks. I was, I, I was at home with Moira and Casey when I saw that that was the case. And, you know, I was just like, oh my God. And, uh, and, you know, I was I was explaining to Moira, I'm like, you know, George Perez, just damn. And she's a huge fan of Teen Titans Go. And mm -hmm. I, I was telling her, like, you know, Cyborg, Starfire, Raven. Uh, that was Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Um, and she was just like, oh, my gosh, really? And I'm like, yeah. Because Raven and Starfire are, t are her favorite characters from that show. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's just like, oh, no, I'm so sorry, Daddy. And I'm like, it's it's OK. But, you know, it just fuck, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Uh, moving on, because. Yeah. Unless you have something else to say, I just... Nope. No, I think you covered it. And it sucks because we're right in the, you know, we're right in the... Not only are we in the period where he first began his run on Avengers, but we're a, the next issue of Avengers we read is going to be the first issue of Avengers I ever picked up. And I picked it up because of George Perez. Like, <laughs> anyway. Fuck everything. God damn it. Anyway, Captain Carter. Um, Captain Carter is getting her own comic uh, coming up. Uh, it's going to be written by Jamie McKelvey. Um, now, okay. I do not, I do not know. I'm not sure whether this is going to be based more on the MCU version or if it's going to be continuing on from the character that appeared in uh, Exiles during the Saladin Ahmed run. Ooh. Uh, 
So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I don't I don't know. Um, don't have Ahmed and McKelvey worked together before? I don't know. They're very similar, though. Hmm. Writing styles, I mean. Okay. I was gonna say I didn't. I didn't think you meant personally because McKelvey's an English white guy, I believe. A yeah. White English. <laughs> They're very different individuals. <laughs> <laughs> right, but like, okay, yeah, no, I don't know whether they have or not. Um, but like I said, I don't know. Uh, what sort of thing we're looking at. I know it's going to be transposing the character to the modern day. But beyond that, I don't know what to expect. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, lastly, um, we have the Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 trailer. Um, so here, here's the thing I will say, I think into the spider verse is a perfect movie. Yes. Which uh, that's not to say, I think it's the greatest movie of all time. It's certainly a favorite of mine, but I think that when you look at it from the standpoint of doing everything it needs to do, leaving leaving the major questions answered, uh, while at the same time leaving you with possibilities of other things. When you look at the pacing of the movie and a lot of other considerations, I do think it is as close to a perfect movie as certainly you're ever going to see out of Marvel. Uh, or any comic book uh, film, but also like just in general. I mean, it's a it's a really well made movie. I'm yeah. sorry, um, yeah. so I'm stoked. Now, in the past, I got I have never been a big fan of this whole splitting up movies thing. Uh I recognize that I have lost that battle. Um, you know, I remember, I remember when I went to see the second Pirates of the Caribbean, and it just abruptly ended, and I was like, "Wait, I got half a fucking movie." Um, I remember being pissed, and I'm like, "Oh fuck no, no, <laughs> we are not doing that." But it is, you know. It is what it is now. Like that ship has sailed. So I can't, I guess whatever, but this is just the world we live in now. Um, but I'm excited as hell. Um, you know, already the speculation has begun because I know there was, there was a video I saw. I didn't watch the video cause I just, I have no patience for like, well, a random character says a thing that is vaguely connected to another thing. And so maybe we'll see Modoc. and it's just like, shut the no. fuck up. But no, I, the, I can't uh, with that. I get so, but, I get so tired. Go ahead. 
on the thumbnail it was it had a thing about how like when he's zooming through one of the shots there's a thing that says thwip in hindi and so maybe that'll be the indian spider-man from the from the spider-verse comics uh and if that's the case cool like yeah. i love i love um is it Pavita? i believe Pavita patel or shit i forget his name i am an idiot i should have looked that up before i even brought it up um but the um sorry Paviter Prabhakar uh maybe making an appearance or maybe that's just an offhand background thing who knows but fuck yeah more spider-verse put it in me like I don't <laughs> care so yeah um thoughts um i have only watched it once maybe maybe i watched it twice i i am like you that i think the first movie was pretty well perfect both from construction and execution um and then and in both of those i'm including like the characters and writing and all of that um and uh I guess I was sort of blindsided by it and wasn't really ready. Like yeah. I've been so, I've also been so disillusioned by Sony's control of Spider-Man of the last Spider-Man IP of the last, what is it? Decade now that I 15 years that I, anytime I see it, I, I honestly forget about Spider-Verse every once in a while. Because it's like, it is this gleaming jewel amid a lot of confusion at best. Um, And it's easy to get lost in that confusion for me. And I wasn't really prepared. And I don't know, you know, it makes perfect sense that this is about time for an animated sequel to to be available, right? Like, if they started work, if they gave themselves a month off, after after turning in the first first or you know turning in the final print and then they all went to some place to vacation they gave themselves a month off and then came back and got greenlit for another one and they immediately started working on it yeah this is about when you'd get one right yeah um but it just there was no there it felt like there was no fanfare for this trailer and all of a sudden i i, I was just like Oh, there's this trailer. I like. I'm literally scrolling through YouTube, and just boop, 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 boop. What? And it's from IGN or one of the two. It's either IG. It was either IGN or Polygon or somebody. And I was like, no. Scrolled a little further, and then I got a so one directly from Sony Entertainment. And I was like, well, shit. What yeah. is this? Is this a movie? Is this a TV show? This is an actual fucking movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Where did this come from? Um, granted, I haven't been paying attention particularly well for the last few weeks, but uh, why ever not? No, why not? <laughs> um, and uh, I 
So it felt a little blindsidey for me, but that's more of a me thing. Looking at the trailer itself, I'm like, more of this. Yeah. Okay. I can't. You know, that was the thing about the first Spider movie, Spider Verse movie as well. Was I was just kind of like, that looks really cool, and it looks like it was really hard to make, and everybody did a really good job. Like, and then I watched it, and I was like, this is really good. All about it. Everything about it is really good. And then, so if we're getting more of that, hooray! Yeah, I got nothing other than that. That's good. Yeah, I sure <laughs> like. <laughs> I I'm on board. Um, you know, the the part one thing, like I said, I think I think what it comes down to for me is that the first one managed a lot. Mm-hmm. It gave us an origin story, a compelling villain. Introduced a multiverse before the MCU had. uh, Made us care about the other spider people. Mm -hmm. um, Gave us a fun time and managed it all in a reasonable run time. Mm -hmm. So. If the people who did that. Are giving us a part one. I figure it probably has to be, you yeah, know, right. like as much as that stuff has annoyed me in the past, A, I'm resigned to it and B, like if they say it needs to be part one, all right, we'll, I'll give them, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in that. Um, and we'll go from there. So yeah. Um, anyway comics comics so we have dark phoenix hooray Um, so we start this week with x-men number 129 which has a cover by john byrne terry austin and john costanza written by chris claremont and john byrne penciled by john byrne inked by terry austin colored by bob sharon lettered by tom orzakowski and edited by roger stern uh, the X-Men return to the mansion with Gene and Scott figuring out where they're at, uh, to discover that the professor has returned from space. Cyclops and the professor butt heads over control of the team, uh, as they all split up to investigate two new Cerebro contacts, uh, which introduces us to the new mutant Kitty Pride. However, Uh, Emma Frost of the Hellfire Club is after her and the X-Men. So, a few things. Uh, Number one, we kind of we kind of hit the end of the Cyclops uh, Colleen Wing thing, wherein he finds out Jean's alive and he's just like, so we were just kind of friends and, you know, whatever. (laughs) And Jean's like, it's fine. (laughs) Um, But uh it's fine we did think every we did think we each other were dead right um you kind of get a pass right now like i would if i were if i were in that situation um i feel like i'd be a little justified in being like that was kind of quick 
Uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, there were a few things that I do want to talk about with this issue. Number one, uh, we find out this issue that Warhawk broke into the mansion a number of issues ago at the behest of the inner circle and had bugged the house for them so as to gain information on the X-Men. Second of all, uh, Storm, Storm takes Kitty out to get a malt. Um, and while they're in this drugstore, Colossus and Wolverine are just kind of there. And Wolverine is looking at porn, which we are, we are starting to get Wolverine as we know him, <laughs> where he's just like, whatever, man, like, you know, it's fine. Uh, but the major thing I want to talk about for this issue is the Hellfire Club, because the Hellfire, the creation of the Hellfire Club is is really interesting. Um, the historical Hellfire Club refers to a number of different clubs over the years. Uh, but the original dates back to 1718. Um, and it, by, so it's a, it's a club for upper crust dipshits. <laughs> it seems like. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of what they do sort of seems set up to uh, shock upstanding English society. Uh, is what it comes down to. They would have these weird pseudo-Christian rituals where it was just like robes and blah, blah, blah. And they would they would serve stuff like Holy Ghost Pie, Breast of Venus, Devil's Loin, and of course, Hellfire Punch. And people would just be like, oh my! And, it, and it's the kind of stuff that I'm sure at the time seemed very shocking. Nowadays... It's kind of like teenage edgelord bullshit. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, if, if it, it's one thing if a, uh, if a 16 year old in the suburbs is doing shit like this, you're just like, okay, Jeffrey, don't forget you have Hebrew school today. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, whatever. Uh, but this is grown ass Englishman. <laughs> And it's just kind of, it's kind of quaint. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, more into the modern day, um, the origins of a lot of what we get in the Hellfire Club and the comics goes back to an episode from February 1966 of the old Avengers series um, called A Touch of Brimstone, wherein... Steed and Peel investigate the Hellfire Club, um, who is trying to arrange a coup. Um, while the in the course of the episode, Peel is drugged and dresses up as the Queen of Sin, which involves lingerie, black lingerie, and a spiked collar and stuff like that, which of course informs, um, Jean's look as the um, as the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. Mm -hmm. um, 
Claremont and Byrne were working to figure out the beats of the Dark Phoenix storyline. They remembered that episode and modeled not only Gene's arc throughout all of this, but the Hellfire Club itself after the episode. Uh, the character of Jason Wingard is modeled after the actor who played the villain, the main villain in that episode, um, named Peter Wingard, uh, who then went on to play a character named Jason um, in a spinoff series called Department S. Um, so his, he, his look with like the, the, um, sideburns and all of that and the mustache is based on Peter Wingard. If you look up a photo of him in that episode, it is a direct one-to-one. Emma Frost, of course, gets her first name from Emma Peel. Uh Um, the other mention, because they did that with Jason Wingard, they then decided to go ahead and make, uh all of the other members of the Hellfire Club references to um, the two various actors. And so Sebastian Shaw is modeled after Robert Shaw. Mm-hmm. Donald Pierce is modeled after Donald Sutherland. And the Pierce comes from the character of Hawkeye Pierce, who Sutherland played in MASH. Harry Leland is modeled after Orson Welles. And the name Harry comes from Harry Lyme in The Third Man and Leland from the character of Jed Leland in Citizen Kane. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting that they kind of took all this shit and mashed it together uh, the way that these things often do. And it just became this classic thing. So... Um, but, like I said, we get our first uh, introduction to Kitty Pride, who, of course, will become a mainstay. Uh, she is... She is... It's Absolutely been a while. adorable. It's been she a is. while since I've read this story, and I forgot how immediately taken by Storm she is, yeah. and how Storm has her eating out of her hand, basically, yeah. and that She's just like, you're so gorgeous. Oh, my God. And I think that's so cool um, as like a looking back on it, especially after, you know, I read Mar- I read the first few issues of Marauders a couple of months ago. And yeah. like, clearly Kitty's been through shit. Right. And uh, I also love the callback in that, that I'd kind of forgotten. I had forgotten about this scene in the malt shop. Um, and it makes so much sense now that storm's just like, all right, so you're going a little rogue. Where are we going? Like that's super cool of storm as a character to just be like, so you're going through some shit, aren't you? Uh, and apparently because the whole, just a backstory a little quickly is if I remember correctly there for some reason uh Krakoa won't let her go through the gates right and the only way she could get to Krakoa was on a boat that she stole and uh because the guys that were had the boat were smuggling assholes um but she did steal a boat uh 
sailed to Krakoa. When she got there, everyone was like, why didn't you just use the gates? And she's like, because I keep running into them. I don't know what the hell's going on. And she gets kind of pissed off at everybody else for being able to live in this utopia and come free, freely come and go. Which means that her and Emma basically get into some smuggling shit. Uh, because Emma. And she, because Emma and Kate now needs to work some shit out. Yeah. And uh, Storm just is like, so uh, you're doing shit for Emma who is calling herself the White Queen again, and uh, you just, uh, I'm coming with you. And she's like, cool, get in the boat. (laughs) Yeah. Marauders is so much fun. Well, you know, the the thing about it is that uh, the... As I say, it's been a long time since I read this stuff. I remembered Kitty Pride being a lot <laughs> um, in a lot of these issues. But by the same to- token, the last time I have changed a lot over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am nearly 40 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was younger... And reading this stuff, I was just like, ugh, kitty. So, you know, even reading these first few first few appearances, it is radically different than it had been. I don't know how it's going to be when it's all said and done. Yeah, um, our next run of X-Men is going to be incredibly kitty heavy. Um, well, and you know, that's that's going to be the tale for me is like. Because right now I'm like, in these two issues where she's kind of in, two or three issues where she's kind of integral, um, before she gets a little sidelined, uh, I I think it's fine. It's fine. It's adorable. Um, it's fine. Um, it's, it isn't too, it isn't so cute as to be like cloying, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um... I don't think she, she doesn't feel like scrappy do when she hides on the on the ship as they're leaving or as Emma Emma's taking everybody hostage. Right. Um but uh the, it could have been that. And yeah. it, it's still it isn't that far, but it's it could have definitely fallen that way. Well, I think what it comes down to is number 1 I am not as irony poisoned as I was the last time I read these things. So I'm coming at it from a different angle. And number two, I know now what Chris Claremont was going for. Yeah. Um, You know, because I can't can't recommend this enough. If you enjoy X-Men, watch... On Amazon Prime, there is a documentary called Chris Claremont's X-Men that kind of goes over his years on the book. And, you know, and it's knowing now that his idea had always sort of been that people would age and move on and there would constantly be an influx of new characters. Um 
knowing that he was going for that, I think is going to have a different effect now uh, than when I read it in the past. When I read it in the past, it was always just like, look, this book is about Wolverine and Colossus and Nightcrawler and Storm and Cyclops. Why the fuck are you wasting my time with a 12-year-old? Like, you know. Well, but I think that he had to start somewhere. And to me, the team... Especially Claremont's X-Men always felt a little, like, loose. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Cohesion-wise. Like, they work, and the characters do stuff together, and they are a team. Um... But I, I have always felt that at least this run, for the majority of Claremont's runs, plural, um, it has been a, the main conflict has been between what Cyclops thinks the team, the X-Men, is versus right. what it actually is. And how that, those do not, it, they are not the same. Like, and that's the same conflict I had. <laughs> which is that... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because Cyclops thinks that this is the mutant Avengers, right? Uh-huh. And it is absolutely not that. Right. Um, it is uh, child soldiers, occasionally. But, like, most of the time, it's supposed to be a sanctuary where you can run when you're being hunted by assholes. Or it's a now. it's a safe place. I mean, that's and that's why as I've gotten older, like all of the conversations about like, well, so and so doesn't belong on the team uh, because their powers are crap. And it's just like, you do not understand what this book is. It uh-huh. is not the Avengers. Uh-huh. It is not. It is not one of this is this is marginalized people clinging together because they have nowhere else to go. Right. And when viewed in that, when viewed in that light, uh, it is insane to be talking about, well, does so-and-so belong there? No, that's not what we're doing that's here. That's not a question. Yeah. They, of I, I, course I mean, they belong there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting to, cause I think I thought about them when I was even into my 20s, the X-Men are a superhero team, right? Right. And it isn't until you read all of Claremont's run, especially. But, like, if you read a lot of X-Men, you get to a point where it's like, no, no, they're not. Right. They're, they are just a bunch of, yeah, marginalized people clinging together so they can survive. And that's a different story. Um, it's a different structure so much of the x-men is these things being foisted upon these people they're not they're not they're generally when the x-men go out and respond to an issue it is there is a young mutant in trouble Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the x-men are reactive the x-men do the superhero thing because they have to yeah. like they they are constantly beset by people who are trying to destroy them because of who they are because of 
how they were born. They're not the Avengers. They don't go, uh, they're not Spider-Man. They're not going on patrol. The president doesn't call them and say, hey, fucking such and such is happening. The the X-Men are dealing with things because they have to. Yeah. End of story. Um, and they're also is, training. A... They're training with their powers because they have because they know they're going to have to use them, right? Right. Like because some asshole is going to come back from the future and try to kill them all, and right. or another religious nut job is going to pl- start planting bombs in uh, the the grounds or an actual fucking robot is going to fall out of the sky and crush half the school. Like, yeah, they know these things are going to happen. And the only way they, they are supposed to be mostly self-defense. That's why X-Force sometimes weirds me out. Um, but like, whatever. Well, uh, I get, I get X-Force. I totally understand why there, would I get be X-Force a group. Now there, there would be a mutant group. Who's, remit is dealing with shit before it becomes an issue i absolutely get why there's an x-force now after house and powers because Mm -hmm. that makes complete sense you have painted a target on your back you need to have an intelligence apparatus and then a wet work team that to deal with it right Mm -hmm. so that x-force absolutely makes sense to me now in the 80s though I think we just need to get there and maybe it'll make sense when like well, cable shows up and is crazy. I I still think it makes sense in as much as you know, cable's cable coming from the future. Cable knows that things are not you are not just going to wish the world better. And cable's whole thing and by extension, X-Force's whole thing through a lot of its history has been taking stuff out before it has a chance to threaten the people who are just trying to learn about their powers. Because, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and that that's the it's a it's a very realistic view of the professor's dream, which is. That's great, and I hope you can make that work. While you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and deal with this shit before it gets to you. Which is why, I guess, now that you paint it that way, I am very interested to get to um, when those philosophies come to a head. Because I can't imagine, and I, I know a little... Um, but I can't, it makes much more sense that they, those two, that Xavier and Cable would kind of not get along. Oh yeah. Because they don't, it's, it's a lot like Xavier and Magneto, except they're both, Cable's like, look, I want, yeah, exactly like you said, I want you to succeed, but I know you can't unless I go do this stuff. And And Xavier, because he has the largest ego known to man is Mm. like fuck you you don't know shit time changes all the time just by being here you fuck things up and he's like yeah i don't have i don't give and cable being like i don't give a shit i've seen what it can be we're not doing that so i'm gonna go take care of some stuff 
and then cable, getting into cable getting into is a sort philosophical of the, argument. The the compromised position between Xavier and Magneto, in yeah. as much as yeah, he wants mutants to be able to live their goddamn lives, but he knows that you can't just do that by sequestering your sequestering yourself away, and um hoping everything turns out okay you have to make that happen and so he's he's kind of the compromise position and we've which gotten is completely because, off the rails <laughs> but, oh i know which is interesting because neither one of those two men xavier or magneto would ever compromise ever right so seeing what the compromised position looks like or the compromise position not compromised um position looks like in cable is kind of like oh that's not great either <laughs> um yeah okay uh we have gone off the rails and probably should get back to comics yeah yeah so uh one th- one other thing to mention about that first issue the only issue we've gotten through so far uh is that the storm colossus uh the all of all of the x-men that are there for kitty get taken down in pretty short order and abducted we didn't really get into a ton of that but yeah uh the fact that she has foreknowledge of who they are and they don't know what the fuck to expect uh means that they get pretty well taken out yeah so uh so yeah, so that brings us to X Men number one thirty, um, and uh, this issue, uh, same creative team, uh, except that the colors are done by Glennis Ween. Uh, this issue, Cy- we switch to the other group of X Men. Cyclops, Jean, and Nightcrawler investigate the second contact, which turns out to be Dazzler. Uh, once in the club, Jean makes out with Jason Wingard because he does that whole, like, convincing her she's, um, she is a 18th century noblewoman. Uh, and the Hellfire Club attacks. Uh, additionally, Nightcrawler receives a a call from Kitty uh, letting him know that the uh, other X-Men have been captured and he's like we're on our way don't worry Uh, so yeah so let's talk about Dazzler now Dazzler gets kind of shit on uh, and I don't think that is fair I absolutely Uh, do not believe that that is necessary or fair I, I think it happens, and it's, it's yeah. it sucks. Dazzler, Dazzler, again, remember what you were saying earlier was when we were younger, you were full of um, un... The irony. The irony line that you used yeah. before where it's like, well, this is just stupid. And it's like, yeah. I, irony poison. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah. this is just stupid. Yeah, but it's also stupid yeah. fun. Shut up. Yeah. Like, the well, thing about Dazzler... It's comics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, again, that was a rant from 
long enough ago, but I do remember it of, yeah, this is comics. It's stupid. What are you talking? Sometimes yeah. that's okay. Um, yeah. But like this Dazzler, I like Dazzler in a very like, they show up and they make contact and they're like, hey, so uh, you want to go come with us and go be a mutant in the thing? And she's like, why the fuck would I want to do that? Like, I yeah. really have no need for that. Thanks, yeah. though? Like, she isn't a yeah. complete bitch about it. I'm not, I'm not, I gotta quit that. Um, but she isn't a jerk. She's just like, no, thanks, I guess but no i'm it's good not really what i want i'm, I'm <laughs> like, good here did you yeah. just see how i made everyone fucking love me i'm yeah. i'm okay and they, she and at the end of that they're just like well i mean when do you basically when do you get off we like your vibe when do you get off <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and i love the idea of the dazzler <laughs> to begin with is at first just like oh god are they gonna try and fuck me <laughs> like and because uh, i've had i've had i've had this con i've had a sort of inadvertent conversation like this yeah because uh we were we were going out with some friends at one point and uh we we knew we had this one female friend that we knew a guy friend of ours thought was attractive. Yeah. And the guy friend has a tendency to latch on to women. Ah. And, like, tell them he loves them within, like, an hour of meeting them. That's a bit... Yeah. It's a bit much. Yeah. And uh, so we... Casey and I, at that time, we were getting ready to get married. And we kind of took the the female friend aside and we were like we need to talk to you and so we took her aside and we're like hey so this guy ha has talked about maybe having a bit of a thing for you don't fuck him <laughs> because <laughs> that is not gonna even if you don't think it's gonna be a thing it's gonna be a thing and she's just like oh okay thank god and we're like, what? And she's like, I thought you were going to say you wanted to, you like you wanted to have a threesome or something. And we're like, oh my God. Well, but no, that's not what we were. Was it Casey? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, reaction. of course not. <laughs> uh, no. um, um, uh, yeah, so she's like, they're trying to basically like, what you know what are you doing do can we talk to you at least and can we at least talk to you about this a little more and uh dazzler's like yeah i guess fine and then some assholes fall through the roof and um everybody like gets do. attacked um dazzler for her part is also really good at this like yeah she weaponizes her powers in a way that's almost nonchalant like she's just yeah. like okay light over here blind that dude fuck him yeah um well and and if you're someone who's just like dazzler sucks let me let me tell you something first of all dazzler's taken a direct shot from black bolt mm -hmm. have you taken a direct shot from black bolt no shut the fuck up right but second of all as we've said that's not what x-men is about right and by and large it's fine like 
even if she were as shitty as people make her out to be, like, that's fine. Like, let her be, let her be a disco star and make her sparkles and, well, you know, and live I, her life. I think there's, I haven't ever read them, but I'm extremely curious, having read this, this issue and the next, where Dazzler's in it. I'm extremely mm-hmm. curious to be like, what is she like when she hooks up with uh, Longshot and all the Mojoverse stuff? That is a curious thing. I am interested in that. However, yeah. I've never read it. Yeah. It might be garbage, but that's because the Mojoverse kind of is a crapshoot when it comes to that stuff. Um, Mojoverse wears thin. Um, Mojoverse, goes... Mojoverse is very 90s. Yeah. Mo- the thing about Dazzler is she has a long road and not all of it's great. Uh, I remember being really annoyed with her and Rogue constantly fighting over Longshot. Um, because I remember just being like, okay, we get it. But also, um, neither but- of you- He's not good enough for either of you. Longshot sort of sucks, ladies. <laughs> uh, Longshot's awesome. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I have I have gone through so many changes in the characters that I just genuinely dislike. And yeah, I used to be just like fucking long shot, man. But also like fucking long shot, man. Well, I mean, you're also uh, you're also the guy who likes uh, who has an unabashed love of. Is it Mr. Miracle? Who's. Married to Big Barda. Yeah. Yeah. And they're very similar characters to me. Yeah. And that's that's okay. It's just... You wh- shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mr. Miracle is one of the few good things to come out of uh, Fourth World, in my opinion. But anyway, let's talk about Dazzler. Because Dazzler was actually... You know, so a lot of characters... Um, a lot of characters come about as a result of cross promotion. Yep. Most of them wind up like NFL Super Pro. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but Dazzler was originally uh, part of a deal between Marvel and Casablanca Records. Um, and it went through a few different changes. Um because originally there was talk of like making it a thing where they would hire a singer who would be Dazzler yeah, uh, and put out albums as her. And then there was talk of like an animated film that would feature other Casablanca artists like Donna Summer, Cher, Rodney Dangerfield, Lenny and Squiggy. Uh, Robin Williams, The Village People, and Kiss, which is a complete tonal disaster, yeah. uh, but was based on a treatment by Jim Shooter. Um, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. All um, of that arranged by Jim Shooter. Yeah. Just the grumpiest man. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's wild. <laughs> Uh, and then Casablanca, for their part, kept changing what they were looking for, apparently, uh, in that they decided that her comics 
needed to feature the Avengers, the X-Men, the Fantastic, or not the Avengers, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, the Hulk, and a ton of others. Uh, and instead of a regular comic, they decided to do it as a super special. Uh, and according to Tom DeFalco, the finished product of that wound up being 35 pages, 34 pages of which were introductions. There was one page <laughs> of actual plot because Casablanca kept shoving characters in there. Uh, additionally, so the original plan had been that Dazzler was going to look like Grace Jones. And if you look, there's actually some art by John Romita Jr. floating around out there that shows a black Dazzler with short hair. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, the decision was made to do a live action movie starring Bo Derek, So the character was changed to reflect that. Um, Casablanca did eventually drop out due to financial reasons, though the movie remained in development. Um, however, that eventually fell to, fell apart because supposedly Bo Derek uh, insisted on her husband, John Derek, uh, directing the movie. And eventually they were just like, we're, we're not doing that. So uh, that all fell apart. And so all we're left with is Dazzler as a Marvel character, but that was not the original plan. Right. Um, but it's interesting because there is actually, if you look, um, comic book urban legends revealed, did a whole thing about the creation of Dazzler. There is actually a cover of like people or some tabloid or something that's of John and Bo Derek and she is carrying a pile of comics specifically because at that time the movie was still in development and she was reading comics to prepare for it. Cool. Um, I think like the one comic cover you can actually see is she Hulk. Um, but anyway, <laughs> 